My guest today, Drina Burton, is one of my superheroes. Over the past 20 years, she's published six vegan cookbooks while raising three vegans. Her daughters are now 12, 16, and 20 years old. Drina Burton has supported hundreds of thousands of new, aspiring, and established vegan and plant-based home cooks thanks to her books, starting with The Everyday Vegan in 2002. I first encountered her work in 2015 as she published her fifth book, Plant-Powered Families. It was timely for me because that's also when I decided to be fully vegan and bring my family along for the ride. In addition to her first five solo books, she has also developed the recipes for Dr. Neil Barnard's books, Reversing Diabetes and The Cheese Trap. In August 2021, her sixth solo book, Drina's Kind Kitchen, is coming out. Today, she shares the treasure of her unique perspective as a long-standing vegan, cookbook author, and parent. I am Brigitte Jem and your host in this Vegan Family Kitchen. Join me in conversation with Drina Burton to learn and be inspired. Drina Burton, thank you so much for being here today. I am profoundly honored that you are making a little stop in my Vegan Family Kitchen podcast to talk about your vast experience with vegan cooking and in particular with your new cookbook, Drina's Kind Kitchen, that is coming out at the end of August of this summer, 2021. Drina, this is uh, Drina's Kind Kitchen is your sixth vegan cookbook, and there are not many cookbook authors out there who have published six vegan cookbooks. In addition to two collections of recipes that you have contributed to books in collaboration with uh, Dr. Neil Barnard. Your first book, The Everyday Vegan, was published in 2002. What has happened since then? <laughs> How has your approach to plant-based cooking evolved over the course of the last 20 years? Yeah, thank you, Brigitte. Um, it's been, um, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of like how when your kids are growing and you look back and you say, where did all that time go? Um, that's what I'm sort of experiencing with my books. Like, wow, like when I was writing each book, I can kind of remember being in that time frame. Um, but it's now gone back, you know, gone by so fast. And I feel like my cooking's really evolved in a very natural way. Um, largely due to the lifestyle, right? When you start off, we were, it was just my husband and I, no kids. And so, you know, I could be a little more finicky with certain recipes. And then even with one child, I could still do that and two a little bit. But <laughs> when number three came, it was like, I got to find some shortcuts. Like for instance, if I'm making veggie burgers, I don't want to saute onions and mushrooms before I put them in the food processor with other ingredients. Uh, you know, I might do that occasionally, but for the most part weekday meals, I want to get everything into the food processor and make it really simple um, to make that batch of burgers or whatever it might be. So really simplifying processes and um, showing people that you can be really creative too with the simplest ingredients, you know, like how you can use nuts in a way to add body and flavor and texture to um, a cookie or, a, a, you know, like a, a loaf or a meatball or something like that, or how to use sweet potato, which I love to use in many recipes from dressings to muffins to cake. So, you know, being playful with ingredients, but also knowing that, hey, we have real lives. <laughs> and, yes. and it's more about getting food to the table than trying to impress with like a vegan, you know, gourmet meal. Well, there's a there's room for that. Yes. And I appreciate 
you know, recipe developers who are really trying to wow family members. Uh, but like you, I mean, I have no time or patience for that yeah. at this time of my life. And I, I so appreciate your no-nonsense approach. And it's a compromise, but it hits just the right note, I think, in so many valuable ways. How about the the food itself? Do you think it's different than it was 20 years ago? Do, do you mm. think our taste as plant eaters has changed? Oh, great question. Like, I think, you know, I started in the days where we had, I was, we were actually living in Newfoundland at the time um, when we first became vegan. Wow. I know. You, you get extra credit <laughs> for that. I did not I know points. that. That would have been harder. It was much harder. Uh, and we had one health food store and it was the epitome of what you would think a health food store would be in that time, 25 years ago in a small place in Newfoundland. You walked in and you could sort of smell the the you know incense and it had barrels of tofu in water that you would take out and you know not hygienic probably and wow. nut butters would be scooped out of a big bin so that's where we were there was no special sections in supermarkets there was you know maybe a couple of brands of non-dairy milk being I think Eden Soy and Rice Dream there were the ones that were around then. There were no treats. There were no vegan cheeses. There was no vegan ice cream. So I think, you know, in a way, um, because I learned to cook with the very, you know, basics of foods and we had a few special products, but not many, um, th that was a gift to me in many ways that I could learn that way because then it helped me evolve in that way. And that's where most people want to go with the diet over time. They may enjoy the treat foods at first, but over time, you want to feel better by eating more whole foods. Um, so I think now it's almost like a candy store out there. I mean, you can go out and get everything we want and it's a little bit expensive. <laughs> I, it, it is. is. And it's, uh, you know, we can be a bit spoiled with it. Like I can go out to one of the stores here, Vegan Supply, which I love, um, and come back with all kinds of treats. But, you know, they're just treats, right? You've got to fill up on the basics. It's a, the once in a while store. Yeah, yeah. I, um, it's the store we go to um, when my kids have a birthday party coming yeah. up. And this, for some reason, they're very fond of the Brussels sprout chips. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know which ones you mean. And, and they're, mm -hmm. they're good, um, you know, but it's really like, it's my birthday. I look forward to the Brussels sprouts yeah. chips. And I'm like, you must be vegan yeah. kids. <laughs> <laughs> that says vegan you know? all the way. But I mean, they're... <laughs> They're fine, yeah. right? But it's as you say, it's it's something we eat once in a while. Same thing with the array of vegan chocolate mm -hmm. bars that are perfect imitations of the mm -hmm. uh, the other stuff. Mind you, they're also often at least twice or t three times the price. So uh, they are once in a while treat um, for sure. And speaking of children, so you have three children and your big girl is now 20, yes. which is wild. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Where has the time goes? And so you've always had a family. Mm -hmm in addition to being a, a, cook, a cookbook mm -hmm. author and a blogger. And personally, I've really experienced some challenges with that combination. So I would love to hear from your own stories. Your What has your routine been in developing recipes and moving your, your cooking art forward at yeah. the same time as you were raising your daughters? Yeah, it, you know, it wasn't... It certainly wasn't easy. Uh, I remember after having our first, and none of my babies were settled babies, like those stories you hear where they sleep and don't cry, or you could even take them in a car and they will go to sleep. Ours didn't do that. 
they just no. screamed their heads <laughs> off for the first three months. Um, and it was, you know, it wasn't colic, but it was just, it was just what they were experiencing that fourth trimester as they call it. And so I remember with our first, I, I did so little cooking at the time. I thought, well, I remember how to make things. I actually had that thought, like, well, I remember how to get in and develop a <laughs> recipe again. Um, and so in the early days, it was very, for me, methodical. I think I would really sketch out what I wanted to do and um, have an idea and try to map it out beforehand before I got into the kitchen. Now I'm far more like just get in there and, and pull things out and like, oh, I might want to do this. And then I scratch down notes of how I want to put it together um, because I have the flexibility to do that, I think. But also because I've come to a place where I don't enjoy measuring things anymore. Like I've measured things for so long that I like to just wing it. And when I wing it and it tastes great, then I'm like, ah, I didn't measure it. Yeah. Oh, no. So I tried to at least get an eyeball of what it is so that I can come back to it and make notes. Um, but, you know, it was a lot of working around naps, working around preschool runs and activities and um, a little bit of burnout. Honestly, um, about five years ago, actually, right after Plant Powered Families, I just had a bit of a breakdown. It was like I was really um, coming to terms with some things in my life and it was hard and I... I just hit kind of like a bottom and I haven't talked about that very much um, but it's a lot of like what kind of connected me with things in my childhood to then overgiving and overdoing as a mother which we do so often and um, dealing with you know mental health issues and uh, just a whole lot of things so it wasn't easy but I felt like in a way my work has kept me grounded because I have always loved it. So it's always been a place for me to go back to, you know, like on some of my more stressful days, I find myself making something or even when I'm tired or, um, you know, have a lot on my plate, I just like to get in the kitchen because it's, it's home in a way, you know, it's, it's your, if you love to do something, then it kind of, you gravitate back to it and it keeps you in a good place. It's a creative yeah. outlet. I mean, it's a good place to actualize yourself yeah i guess in many ways do you find um that being specifically a vegan um cookbook author helped you or hindered you in those darker mm. moments um i know yeah. i know a lot of vegans and i've certainly been there at times struggle sometimes with yeah you know hope <laughs> and and um just believing in the world as a place mm -hmm. that has a future. Um, and I can see that playing a role one way in both and, and the other way. And I, I understand what you're yeah. saying in both ways. I feel like being vegan, it develops a little bit of like, especially in the early days, some resilience because you know that you're going to come up against those questions with health professionals, with peers, with people you admire, and you have to stick to your truth. Um, and the same with your kids, you know, they're in school and they have situations where people are like, what is that? And, you know, questioning. And I f again, I feel like it develops a little bit of standing up for what you believe in. Um, and at the same time, when you're in this world and you hear a lot of stories of, you know, animal abuse or of just backlash against your own work from people, which is entirely just nasty for no reason right it can bring you down and so I I have had to kind of see those you know negative comments and things as 
it's not mine it's theirs it's not mine it's theirs remember that remember that come back to what I do and what I love and what the good feelings are in the work and the people who are supporting me um, and it took me a while to do that but now I I can kind of make that separation um, but I see what you're saying it's a bit of both to me I really I really appreciate that I mean I I can imagine that at some point in the early 2000s, it might have feel, mm -hmm, felt a little mm -hmm. hopeless to <laughs> be publishing vegan recipes and how many people are listening. On the flip side right now, I mean, and, and you definitely are one of the people I'm grateful for having supported this tidal wave at the moment that is not abating of greater interest. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband's a physician and when I first started eating this way, which is in 2013, I would never get this question. But now on a regular basis, when, you know, I encounter some of his colleagues, I hear, oh, so you're, you're the vegan, right? Oh, so I'm kind of curious about eating this way. And you no. would never have heard that from the medical community back then. I mean, there were, a, you know, a hardcore group of plant-based doctors, but it was truly the exception. And now it's every day I hear someone that says, well, my doctor told me I should try plant-based eating and right. they really don't know anything about it, but they told me to try. And those people are supported in part because there is a, a, a large legacy, a collection of vegan yeah. work that's been done previously by pioneers such as yourself. So that's very that's kind, awesome. thank you. So, and I, I love to hear that you are hearing that because I too am hearing the, ch the shift from um, judgment to curiosity, right? It used to be all judgment and yes. almost scolding and like what you're doing is even dangerous, not just odd or it's dangerous or radical right um, um i i remember mm -hmm. on our first uh when the everyday vegan came out and it was back in the day when uh publishers would send you to places to do like you know um, a cookbook um, signing or show and i did um, canada am and i remember our cab driver talking about being he said he was vegetarian and i was like oh very cool i said so do you know much about being vegan he's like oh i would never go there that's radical and i was sitting in the back with my <laughs> husband and our like we had our firstborn with us at the time she was like six months and i'm like does do we look radical here right now like we look pretty average right um so you know that was yes. what it was but i too am starting to hear more like wow that's i've heard about it and like just want to pick your brain more like they're interested yeah absolutely mm -hmm. this is a fantastic twist mm -hmm. let's get back to the cooking for a second and i i'm curious to know whether your recipe development or your your cookbook production has ever intersected with your home cooking um, in terms of I'm assuming oh, yeah. that you're the person feeding your oh, family yeah. for the most part yes yes so how do these two things meet yeah. if at all yeah they do meet for sure I mean most of what you're seeing what you're seeing in my books is the stuff that I've made and put on the table it's not like and some of them become regular recipes that I do all the time others are more special recipes like for the holidays or I've created the recipe because I know that people will want that kind of recipe that I know they've been asking for it so it may not be one that we turn to all the time but I know it's maybe one that people could use or really want um, and 
they're the recipes that like I test and test and they get to the table, excuse me. <clears throat> so sometimes there's weeks where there's a lot of brownies <laughs> in the fridge, right? <laughs> and other weeks where we've had the same soup for like, um, you know, three times in two weeks or even more than that. Uh, and, you know, the feedback is over time. Like I feel like I've refined my skills enough that it's not always perfect, but it's usually good enough that it's edible. <laughs> So, you know, yes. they, they don't complain too much. Um, but the flip of that is now I just noticed like that the kids are older. It's not about recipe creation. It's just about feeding people and their appetites are the big. volume. The volume. <laughs> yes. So in a way, it stifles my creativity in that aspect because I need to cook so much that it's not even um, about like creating a recipe that might feed four people. It's, you know, <laughs> I need to just create volume of food because their appetites are voracious. So um, that has changed over the last few years and I've had to kind of work around that. But And I do do all the cooking. My husband is it's my own doing he's he's i've just kind of excluded him from the kitchen so much he can do toast and cereal so we'll leave it at that <laughs> that reminds me uh, many years back when my my father was still around one day when my mom said oh yeah your father has been you know cooking more he's doing great i was like oh really what is he doing like toast and she said no he makes popcorn <laughs> oh, i was gosh. imagining my my father pouring popcorn in a pot and shaking the pot like we did in the good old days. And she said, no, no, no. He puts it in the microwave. <laughs> oh, bless him. Oh, I see. You know, but I think I'm personally guilty of that. Yeah. Where when I decided I'll be fully vegan here and I'm not going to, you know, bring in any animal products at home. My husband, who had been cooking, and you know, it's a bit of the masculine mm -hmm. stereotype. He was he was grilling the fish right. and, and the beef, right? So, and he really liked chicken breast and so he was out of luck and I was like no 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 don't worry about it I'll, I'll do the cooking right so he'd rather go on a bike ride so he went on a bike ride and he his cooking really went down yes. from that point forward but recently he's um, taken more interest in cooking and he's tried to do it more uh, but clearly I I I'm also territorial about the kitchen uh, and how it's organized. You know, I need the kitchen yep. to be just like that tomorrow yep. because I have a cooking class or yep. something, right? It's a bit challenging. What about your, your daughters? Mm -hmm. Do they cook? They will cook for themselves, right? They don't really get in and say, Mom, what am I going to cook for all of us tonight for dinner? That doesn't happen. But they will make their own like lunches and Bridget will, you know, come home from school and make this big like saute with spinach and tomatoes and plant-based cheese and tofu and she does all this stuff. Um, so they can manage their own meals, but they don't really get in and like cook a dinner for the family. Um, right. And I think truly they would be shocked to know how much you have to cook to feed us all. <laughs> uh, but at least, you know, they do make their own food and that that's good. Hope is, you know, a little bit young. She's not like on, at the stove so much, but she, she can do a few things. Um, but yeah, the big joke in our family is that on Christmas Day, dad makes breakfast and I just make lunch. So his breakfast is almond butter toast. And mine, of course, is the huge spread for Christmas dinner. So it's kind of like, yes. yeah, that's even. <laughs> You're splitting the meals yes, right down the yes. middle. And, and for dinner, you just have leftovers, right? Since it's yes, Christmas. Yeah. So. <laughs> Love it. That's it. So did you teach your daughters or did they just kind of hack their way through a little of both i think you know they i did certainly bring them in to make certain things together like just show them simple things like how to roast chickpeas and marinate tofu and baking cookies with them and muffins and um, making soups and so basic things but 
uh, over time they just started to pick some up maybe just by watching it um, mm-hmm. and also then my oldest Charlotte she works at a vegan cafe here in in the city oh, which awesome. is awesome yeah and so she's learning a lot there too right in food prep um, so I'm expecting her to open a place over time and then just give back all what I <laughs> yes. bring it all back you to can, me. <laughs> yes, you can just go eat there three meals a day. That's it. That's fair, right? <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Um, tell me a little bit about how, um, because my, my kids are younger. My son mm-hmm. is six. My daughter is nine. Um, I'm starting to feel it more in the sense that we w- used to be a one tofu block family uh-huh. where a tofu block could feed us all. Mm-hmm. And now clearly it's not the case and I have to cook at least two mm-hmm. when tofu's on the menu. Um, but I'm curious about how you manage that life with people with greater appetites. Um, and if you do any meal planning or batch cooking or mm. if all that is useless anyway because they're <laughs> T-Rex monsters. They're savages is what is the <laughs> truth. Um, I do batch cook things a lot. So if I make a soup, it's usually a double batch. If I make rice, I just fill up a big pot and make rice that way. I tend to buy a lot of canned beans because it's so convenient. But when I make lentils, again, a big batch of lentils. Um, Potatoes, I always bake or steam or like in the Instant Pot in batches. Uh, But truly, if I do a, um, a bag of sweet potatoes, that's a meal like that's gone so i would have to do two bags so just wait yeah the teen and it's not people say oh teenage boys eat so much it's just teenagers eat so much especially if they're active so uh i feel like i feed you know like a football team some days and um, my youngest is now developing that like big appetite with all the swims she does so yeah you do have to shift into okay yeah one pizza may have worked when it was the three of us you know but now no way we order pizza and it's four pizzas it's horrific to me (laughs) it's like what we really need all these pizzas uh but you know we do keep a few for leftovers but yeah you you do adjust to making larger batches and freezing and keeping rice in the fridge and then when those things are on hand like when i have extra tofu on hand or rice then Bridget can get in there and make a lunch for herself for school. She pulls out the rice, she pulls out the tofu, she adds some tomatoes, right. some some tamari, some lettuce, and she packs lunch and she's got kind of like a rice bowl to go. So that makes it handy for them to then prep their own things. So do you do any meal planning? Oh, meal planning, no. I really don't. Um, the only way, thing I do in the way of meal planning is kind of like I try to every day, okay, we make sure we get beans in. That's kind of what's always been in my head because it's easy to not in some ways. I think when you're mm-hmm. getting into the plant-based diet, it's easy to just sort of go to like pastas and potatoes and maybe tofu and not incorporate those beans. And we love beans. So I always just like, okay, which meal are we having beans? And so I either, you know, we'll make a soup or a salad with beans or a veggie burger or something like that. And then um, just kind of balance it out the next day. I don't really meal plan. I do look at what we have in the freezer and on hand and go, okay, maybe I'll do this tomorrow night. Uh, perhaps it'd be easier if I did, but I've just never been that <laughs> organized, I think, to do it. So you could probably help me with that. <laughs> yeah, that's, but uh, I, I know that parents with older kids have told me, you know, it's useless because you, you do all that prep on the weekend and maybe you get a meal plan and by Wednesday, everything is gone. <laughs> yeah. And with so tea, it's a little self-defeating. It, yeah, no. And I, that's, that's a big point. And also when they're older, they're eating at different times and it's really annoying to make a meal and then be reheating portions of it at another time. Or like my daughter sometimes doesn't get home from work till eight. 
Um, and then that's when she's eating and then um, someone else is coming back from an activity at seven. So it's kind of like all over the place. So that's the other things you have to have meals that are kind of uh, can hold, right? Like if you, yeah, Absolutely. if you make something that's a noodle dish that is really, say a rice noodle, which breaks down quickly, then it doesn't hold very well and yeah. Right. How do you manage uh, grocery shopping then? I had this conversation with my mom the other day because she was telling me, get this, so she had six girls and she didn't have her license <laughs> until she was 35. And she didn't get a, because, you know, we've all been in our homes, right, through all this time. And she said she would get out of the house once a week to get groceries with the kids and my father and because he was driving at the time. And I said, you went for groceries once a week for six kids? Like, how did you manage that? But of course she said, you know, we eat a lot more canned foods and we bought a lot of packs of frozen meat and things like that. So for me, it's a lot fresher item. It's like a lot of produce. I'm at the grocery store every second day for sure. If not, mm -hmm. sometimes I, because what I find, and you may relate to this as well, still at the point in our diet, different stores offer different things. Yes. So I get certain things at one store and certain things at another store. And I don't want to do all that in one day. So I'll go here one day and then get the other things I want here one day. And then maybe the farmer's market this day. So I'm kind of like bouncing around during the week. Um, it's not like a one-stop shop. Um, so that's kind of how I do things. And uh, I don't want to know how much I spend on food right now because it's not... It's not pretty. <laughs> That's, they say we have to save money, you know, for the kids' future education, but it's also for their future feeding yes. when they're little. Yes. You have to start planning for that. Early and, on. I mean, and the cost of food is going up right now. Yeah. Um, even staples like rice, I've noticed, have gone up a significant um, amount over the last few months. So it is definitely challenging. Mm -hmm. So you basically wing it. Is that right? Kind of. Like you... Yeah. You, that's great. I kind yeah, of wing yeah, it, you know, and like I, I do think that it probably would be a lot more efficient if I did it another way. But I guess it's just how I, how I've always done it, and it's how I continue to do it. So, yeah. I, I think a lot of people who do. I mean, I'm mostly sh I have a big shop once a week, mm -hmm. but I do have usually a couple of stops during the yep. week, especially to go to my Asian grocer that has the best tofu yep. and mushrooms and noodles and sometimes some other smaller store for different items. Um, but I know some people who do shop in, in, in bulk tend to have like two or three refrigerators, which I don't have. That's the other thing, right? The storage. <laughs> That's not mm -hmm. happening. So it's, it's a lot more challenging. And even on Sunday night, the fridge is so full. And my husband <laughs> opens the fridge. I was like, I can't see anything in here. And then on Friday, he opens the fridge and he's like, he's hem it's empty. And I'm like, Yes, <laughs> I did it. You know, victory. Yeah. I did it. You know, we, we're not wasting too much food this week. But as you say, it's becoming less and less of a problem as time goes by. Um, I'd like to ask you, going back to your, your career as a, a vegan blogger and a vegan recipe developer, um, what do you wish you had known 20 years ago? And basically, what has been the hardest thing mm about being a vegan food blogger mm. and and how did you overcome those challenges? Such a good question. I think for me, um, you know, one of the hardest things is that I didn't see it as a career early on. I saw it more like as a hobby, you know, my job was being a mom and it still is my primary job. Like I still view it that way. Um, Uh, even when they're teenagers, you know, you need to be in touch with them and connecting. And so 
uh, I didn't feel it uh, was something that I could really make into like a sustainable kind of career. And I think if I had taken a different view on that, I would have, um, you know, been able to, I don't know, perhaps pursue different uh, partnerships and that kind of thing and just done better for myself like uh, with the my third book was it my third no fourth let, let them eat vegan um, you know I, I didn't like the how they produced that book they they cheapened out on it after once it was printed and then now they've printed it in black and white um, but I can get mad at them and be upset at that but I can also say okay I kind of accepted certain things for myself at that point right so part of it is not so much as uh, about being vegan at that time, but just knowing myself a bit more. And, you know, you, you kind of see things in a different way. And like, I'm 50 now and I go look back and I think, okay, well, a lot of this is just kind of life lessons and life learning, right? So I, I guess I wish I had just been a little bit more assured of my own worth at that time because right. that's where I am now, like believing in that more. That's... That's fantastic. I'm really glad you're there yeah. because yeah. you certainly deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. If any of us does. Um, and in that spirit, and more about the food, seeing the journey you've been on since you became vegan, what would you tell to someone who's just starting on mm. this whole plant-based cooking adventure and who may rightfully be feeling a little bit overwhelmed mm. with all the knowledge out there because you know 20 years ago it was just you and a handful of others and yeah. today there's a flood of information about uh, yeah. plant-based food and plant-based eating what how would you gently guide someone who's yeah. just getting started that's yeah and not only just a lot of information but a lot of styles of plant-based eating right it's it's branched out in all these different categories now too. oh yes um i hope to remind people that when I talk to them that, you know, we all, I like to say to people, we all eat vegan food. We are all eating plant-based every day. If you look at your diet, you're eating, most of us, bananas, potatoes, uh, vegetables of some sort, broccoli, cucumber, whatever it might be, um, bread. Hopefully we're eating beans. You know, most of the food that we're eating every day is plant-based. It's not a weird different food it's mostly what we're eating it's just that we're also eating you know meat and dairy in there so if you just expand reframe the food right it's normalize it it's food that comes from the ground it's easy to eat it's beautiful and abundant and I like to encourage people to really look at you know what they love to eat like if they love um, pasta with meat, I don't know, like a, a basic meat sauce pasta, then make that pasta sauce and maybe buy a ground round, see how you like it. I, you know, I don't always love some of those meat substitutes, but um, try it with ground up chickpeas or lentils or something like that, you know, like substitute that one thing. So start with the favorite foods that you like to eat and just implement more plant-based options in it. And not get too caught up. I mean, as much as I re develop recipes, not get too caught up in recipes right away because that can feel like a lot of pressure to move into someone's style of cooking. So I kind of encourage them to do what they love to do first, 
bring in some of those, you know, more plant-based options, and then maybe one or two nights a week, select a recipe, right? Find a recipe that they like to eat or, or, or something that interests them, not something that they like to eat, but something that intrigues them, like a new flavor combo. Because that's what excites you about plant-based then is when you try something that's like maybe really interesting with Thai flavors or a different spin on a Mexican dish, like, and you go, wow, I didn't even know those flavors existed. That's when I think people have that aha moment and their palate starts to open. So yeah, just not too much pressure, right? Just work into it bit by bit because we all did. I find that a lot of um, people I speak with are really uh, scared and hmm. they, I often tell them, you know a lot more about cooking than you think you do. Yeah. And whether it's plant-based or not plant-based, I think you, you put it really nicely is that, you know, you have that knowledge of how to make some traditional foods or what the food you grew up with or whatnot and you are allowed to improvise on yeah. it and to change things and and really it's quite unlikely the kitchen will explode right it's not impossible if yeah. you cook with gas but usually it doesn't right yeah. and um i find that the the flood of recipes and i'm i'm part in of, of the situation there but the flood of recipes kind of makes people feel like they have to follow the recipe yes. and if they don't they've never seen that before it's very intimidating yes. or or uh, i don't have what it takes to cook like this or mm -hmm. whatnot i don't have a food processor or i don't have a mm -hmm. blender or something but it's, there's other places to start yeah yeah and also the notion that um like as you mentioned that they can feel like scared about doing it. I mean, it's 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 just because you're sort of entering a new world, right? Of of thinking about how your plate should look too, and again reframing that it doesn't have to look like it used to, right? Um, and absolutely, and it's actually easier. <laughs> I like to remind people that too. It's easier when you don't have to deal with like flesh to you know worry about cross contamination and to oh. clean those greasy pans. It's actually easier to cook. Um, and it's quite freeing. I totally agree. I think the the most wonderful thing in my life that happened when I decided to only cook vegan food at home that was before I went vegan, but it was not to have to deal with chicken anymore. Yeah. It's so gross. And I, I it's it's not a very healthy flesh to manipulate around the house, right? And the more I learn about it, I'm so relieved that you don't the you, kitchen yeah. I'm in right now has, you know, for many many years not seen animal products i'm like ooh, that's mm -hmm. that's a whole bunch of you know infectious diseases that i don't need to worry about <laughs> isn't that the truth i sort of feel like if you're bringing something into your kitchen that causes you concern for a lot of bacteria and <laughs> uh exactly. contamination then it's maybe not meant to be there yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. so we're definitely on the same page with that um uh, just before we wrap up, I want to branch out and ask you about your yoga training. Mm. I think you have been training to um, be certified as a yoga instructor. Is that right? Yeah, I am uh, certified as I did my um, yoga 200 hour training. Uh, how many years ago? Now? I think it was three years ago. So that's like the standard YTT. And then in the winter, just this past winter, I did my 200 hour Kundalini yoga training. So um, I'm not teaching Kundalini right now. I teach yin yoga, which is, I think, my favorite. It's I, I love doing Kundalini, um, but I still love yin and I love teaching yin. Um, and it's a different style of yoga than a lot of people know. It's holding poses for a longer period of time, but they're poses that are meant to help release the deeper tissues in the body and open up and heal in like your joints and your 
um, ligaments, whereas um, more like flow yoga is very much more muscular heating and uh, that kind of energy in the body. So I teach that once a week and I really love doing that. Do you do it uh, strictly in person or also online or? Um, it's in studio here at a local studio called Vayusha Yoga. Um, and they also have streaming, of course, for people because we were teaching at home for so long, which is a challenge when you're at home yes. and dogs and cats are running around and <laughs> kids are coming in and out of the house. Um, so now they've made it, I think like most studios, they have both options. People can come to the studio now or they can stay at home and you've kind of got both of, you know, it's, it's a nice compromise. Are you sometimes thinking about branching out into a more independent yoga teaching practice online? Um, I've thought about doing more YouTube videos. I just find it's very um, time consuming to build that YouTube platform. It takes a lot of time and YouTube has a lot of restrictions to kind of get you to a place. Um, but I'm not sure. I guess we'll see in time. I, I kind of like teaching in a studio and getting to know some of the clients. That's a nice thing to get to know your students a little mm -hmm. bit and have that, you know, weekly interaction with them and their personalities. That's kind of a fun thing. That's fantastic. Yeah, I can appreciate the need for balance there between, mm -hmm. I think as a, as a food blogger, you spend a lot of time online and on social yeah. media and it's, it can be very draining. Uh, so I can appreciate yeah. wanting to balance. isolating too, right? Yeah. Absolutely. This mm -hmm. is great. I'm fantastic. I'm really excited for you. So you're going to keep on doing that, mm -hmm. the, the, the yoga? Yeah, yeah, definitely my current class, which is like Mondays. Um, and at some point I might add a second one because like I said, I do enjoy teaching yin and it does help me get into that zone too, which I'm that, you know, young person. I kind of go, go, go. And it's hard for me to shift into that yin mode. And I'm really trying to teach myself <laughs> to do it because we need both. Uh, and uh, it helps me to kind of remember that too. That's, that's just beautiful. Um, so in summary, what do you feel is the best thing about being vegan and eating a fully plant-based diet in 2021? And where do you hope... Mm to keep on growing in that in that sense. Wow, I, we are so abundant in this plant-based world now. Like we really have all the information, all of the food substitutes. We really have everything at our fingertips. Uh, I, but I feel like the best part of eating plant-based is truly just then the connection with like nature when you're eating it, right? When you see it and you can have a little garden even. We don't have a huge garden, but we have a couple of um, raised garden beds and we're growing lettuce. And when you can go out and pick your own lettuce, it's a beautiful thing and bring it in and make your salad. And it tastes so fresh and wonderful. Uh, it just reminds you of like that, all the goodness that you're taking in with all of these nutrient abundant foods. It's just, and then giving that to your family too. It's, it's a great thing. Um, and I, I don't know, I think as we age too, it continues to nourish us in a way that maybe hasn't even been fully understood yet because we're still kind of learning a lot about the diet. Uh, but I think it can help us in, you know, I think we'll see in time how people are aging differently, hopefully, on this diet. I love this. And not only you share it with your loved ones at home, but you're sharing it with 
all of us. And on August 24th, uh, Drina's Kind Kitchen is going to open its doors. Mm -hmm. and the book is coming out to... Uh, to be available for everyone. I would encourage everybody listening to this to pre-order the book, not only because you want to be the first person to receive it, but also because there are some perks to pre-ordering. Would you like to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you ordered between now and August 24th, um, pre-orders can be registered on my page. You just go to my site, drinaburton.com, and there's a pre-order page. Once you've pre-ordered, you enter your information there. And depending on if you order one copy or more, there's perks, there's bonuses. So for instance, if you order one book, you automatically receive a bonus ebook of extra 12 recipes. Um, and then there's extra bonuses throughout um, different purchase levels. Um, and we also have a really big giveaway uh, for different products. So you can register to win one of those prizes. We have a Blend Tech prize. We have O Cosmetics Vegan Skincare prize, um, Instant Pot Duo, and Complement Vegan Supplements. So there's four prizes up for grabs and um, they're great ones. That's awesome. And what recipe should I make first? When I get the oh. book, I'm getting the book from my local little bookstore here called Book Warehouse. And what is the first recipe? Oh, what should I shop for see. when I walk home and stop by the grocery <laughs> store? <laughs> oh boy. Um, you know, I love, um, there's a Thai noodle recipe in there. Um, and it's not, it's peanut free and nut free. It's, um, awakened pad thai so that one's one of my favorites um there's a cheesecake that is oil free and also nut free um and my readers love that one like my testers really love that one um there's a lot of dressings in there um and one of my favorite soups which is really really simple it's a curry carrot lentil soup and i know it sounds really simple but i like that kind of food and that's again one of my favorites um so those are some of the highlights oh and my yellow sweet potato cake because my chocolate sweet potato oh. cake was popular and I did a yellow sweet potato version for the book. My daughter will be very happy because she always asks for a, you know, a non-chocolate ah. cake. And I'm always like, it's hard to make a good vegan chocolate cake that's not chocolate. So um, that's really exciting. But honestly, you had me at noodles. So <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely what I'm going to do. Nice. Drina, thank you so much not only for this um interview and i'm very grateful for your time but also for all your work um developing some of the best and most reliable vegan plant-based most nutritious as well recipes out there thank you so much and i wish you the best of luck with this launch and uh with whatever future adventures you find yourself on too. Oh, you are so kind. Thank you, Brigitte. And um, it was a lovely time chatting with you. I really enjoyed having a, a chat almost like we were at tea. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Yes. I hope uh, maybe um, I'll be looking forward to your seven. <laughs> Lucky seven. We'll see, right? <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you, Drina. Thank you. I have ordered my copy of Drina's Kind Kitchen from my local bookstore. I hope you will do the same right now. In the meantime, if you think deciding what's for dinner is a chore or overwhelming, you will benefit from downloading my free one-week healthy vegan dinner plan. Visit veganfamilykitchen.com for details. See you in the kitchen.